It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center, playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. It's 6.08 on a Saturday morning. It's 29.5 degrees outside. It is the Lawn and Garden Show. I'm Walter Reeves, the Georgia Gardener, and I am here to help you. Help you be more successful in your landscape, doing whatever you want to do or don't want to do or need an excuse for not doing. If you have a question about anything that has to do with your lawn, your trees, your shrubs, your flowers, indoor houseplants, animal control, any of those topics, I have research-based information and experience-tempered advice to give you to solve the problem and get on with your busy day. If you're driving right now, coming home from third shift work, if you're going to work right now, you're a nurse or a doctor, you're a long-haul truck driver, if you're any of those things, if you want to call me in, then this is the sort of the slow hour of the morning, and you can call in and get your question answered and be about your business. 404-872-0750. 404-872-0750. Get you in, get your question answered. Rachel Perry is here this morning. She is taking the place of Ashley Frasca, who has earned, over-earned, a weekend off. And congratulations to Ashley for getting the Saturday off, and I hope she is somewhere right now tucked down real tight in her bed with her two little kittens doing stereo purring on either side of her head. <laughs> that would be fine with me. Scott Maxim is here as well, choosing our music, making sure that we stay on the air, which is always a good thing if you have a radio show. And we're here to answer your questions about landscaping on the Lawn and Garden Show. I have been driving pillar to post, pillar to post and post to pillar all week long. Went Monday to the Master Gardener class down in Spalding County, the South Metro Master Gardener class. Did a class for Master Gardeners on uh, how to control nuisance wildlife. Had a whole bunch of pictures and, and, and toys, some of them, but also legitimate ways of controlling nuisance wildlife, squirrels, deer, um, you know, armadillos, and all the things that you can be a nuisance in the landscape. I have a class that I do for the Master Gardeners, two hours long, and we talk about how to do it the right way, how to do it with things that work, how to do things that successfully keep the deer out of the backyard. Etc. Then Tuesday, it was down to Hawkinsville, down below Perry, to speak to the Camellia District Garden Club ladies. That was a great time down there. Had a beautiful venue. Wow, beautiful, beautiful. Uh, sort of large, modern barn sort of deal with catering and everything in there. Tom Hunt, my friend down there, has made a big wedding venue. We met there and talked to the ladies about how to get ready for spring in the middle Georgia area. And then back Wednesday, down to Fayetteville to see my sweet mama. 97 years old, and we watched Price is Right, and we decided that Drew Carey is the funniest guy around. We like Price is Right on Wednesdays. Thursday, back on the road, Master Gardeners up to Cumming, Georgia, another wildlife management, wild nuisance wildlife control sort of class for the Forsyth County Master Gardeners. That was fun. They had a raucous group up there. Friday, oh my gosh, where did I go Friday? Oh, I went to the this place and the other place and the third place. I'm not going to tell you where I went, but nonetheless, it was three or four places I had to drive around to. <sighs> but I was able, in all these things, and here's something that has, has something to do with the Lawn and Garden Show, after all, is that I was listening to podcasts. And if you're a long-distance driver, you know the comfort and the enjoyment there is from listening 
to podcast. It's sort of like making your own radio station in a way. We're not listening to the same person yada, yada, yada on about politics or the same person yada, yada, yada on about music or this, that, and the other. But you can listen to uh, subjects that you are, in, that are interesting to you. There's uh, any number of podcasts that you can listen to, you can download. In my case, I can download them to a little flash drive that fits into my radio. And so I have a number of things that I get off of uh, off the air. There's one called 99% Invisible. I love that podcast. Uh, the Memory Palace, Nate DeMeo. Ooh, that's fun. Death, Sex, and Money. Ah, that's a great one. I love Death, Sex, and This American Life. For some of you who've been around for a while, you know that This American Life is a is a very well-regarded podcast. It'll tell stories about this American life, as you can imagine. You can get the WSB radio show, Lawn and Garden Show podcast. Did you know that? Did you know that? It's just a recording, a rebroadcast, a re-recording, I guess, of the uh, Saturday morning show. But if you feel like, gosh, I wonder what he talked about in the second hour or the third hour of the radio show, then you can go to wsvradio.com and do the little pull-down menu for podcasts and get to mine and download it, as well as other hosts on on this uh, radio station. So if you want to listen to podcasts, it's a great thing. One more thing I wanted to mention before we go and talk to our callers this morning, but I read a fascinating article yesterday about trees, trees and maybe a couple of shrubs that miss, miss, I mean, I mean, don't mean plants <clears throat> literally can miss things, but that they don't grow as well now because all of the animals they depend on were exterminated, died away, were extinct, are extinct now, in the North American continent. I'm thinking about the mega, they call them megafauna, and those are the big sloths and mastodons and woolly mammoths and these enormous animals. I mean, some of them tons, five, six, seven tons, tromping around North America eating things. And some of the trees that we now enjoy, some of the trees that we now think, well, that's an interesting looking tree, depended on old animals, old megafauna, old extinct animals, and those trees now are at a disadvantage because they don't have a sloth to eat their fruit. Because back then, that's the way these trees had evolved, was to get a sloth or a mastodon or something to suck it down and then take it away someplace and poop it out, and the seeds thereby would be spread around for this tree. And I'm thinking particularly of the Osage Orange. You know what Osage Orange is? Some of you do. It's, it's the tree that has the fruit that looks like a monkey brain. It looks like a softball-sized green monkey brain. Yeah, that's exactly it. So Osage Orange has lots of little bitty seeds inside it, but these days the only thing that will eat Osage Orange, deer sometimes, squirrels sometimes, once they've rotted on the ground, the little creatures will eat them. But they eat the seeds. They chew up the seeds. They don't poop out the seeds that will germinate anymore. Whereas the megafauna, the big animals, would take those Osage oranges and chew them like once, and then swallow them down, and then poop them out. And that seed might be a quarter mile, half a mile, or further away from the original tree. Sorry about the sound effects there. But they'd be half a mile away from the original tree, thereby dispersing the seeds, which is what a tree sort of likes to have, is to be spread out, take, divide and conquer, get out and get over the land here. And that is not only the case with uh, Osage Orange, but perhaps they theorize the same with Kentucky Coffee Tree. Big old sweet pods. Nobody eats them, though, now. The little creatures eat the seeds completely, but the big creatures that used to be here would take the seeds and spread them out 
in the landscape with their uh, fecal material. Same with uh, honey locusts. They have another sweet pod that not many animals will just eat the whole thing, like the mega fauna, the sloths and the bears and the mastodons and the mammoths and things like that. It was interesting. I think Daryl Poulos, my master gardener friend, longtime friend, and coming for passing that article on to me. The influence of the megafauna and their lack of influence now on the dispersion of trees. We go to the phones. Bruce is up in Paulding County. Bruce joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Bruce, good morning. Bruce, are you there? Bruce. There he is. Hey, Bruce. Hey, uh, it's Branson. Okay. Uh, I need to prune an apple tree. It's golden delicious. Yeah. I got a big limb that's low. Can I cut that big limb off and not hurt my tree? Yeah. How big is the rest of the tree, Bruce? Branson, sorry. It's uh, it's three times as big as that limb. So uh, how many feet tall? Twice as big as you? or? Well, it's, uh, I'm going to say it's uh, 25 feet, maybe. Oh, you're fine. Yeah. Okay. Right now, when the trees are dormant, whatever tree it is, maple, oak, apple, pear, doesn't matter. Um, oh, you the moon's take... on a decrease right now, isn't it? It's what? It's on a decrease right now, isn't it? What do you mean the decrease? I don't understand. Well, I've always grown up knowing if you don't prune, you prune on a decrease. That way, the sap's not up. Because it's dormant, because it is in the cold weather right now, there's little knowledge, let's say, when the apple comes back and has leaves on it in the spring, it simply doesn't remember that you, Branson, came out and cut that big limb off. As long as you cut it properly and don't you know strip off bark off the tree and leave a great big two foot long stub or something like that then just removing the tree completely removing the limb completely from the tree is uh perfectly fine and can be done this afternoon we got good temperatures so chainsaw and let's go all right sir i appreciate your time i appreciate all you so far nothing to it branson thanks for calling yes sir those are the rest of you who want to know how to prune things apples pears peaches plums Apple pie. <laughs> what was that song? <laughs> the muscadines, uh, raspberries, uh, figs. If you need to know how to prune each and every one of those uh, fruiting plants, you can go to my website, WalterReeves.com, and just type in one word, fig, muscadine, apple. It'll take you to a fact sheet about that plant and how to prune it, how to renew it, how to make it look great. Coming up in the next half hour, we've got lots of great questions. Casey Moleska wants to know how to mulch a flower bed. Alfarado in Decatur has a front yard that's turned to mud. Mike in Lawrenceville wants to know how we can get rid of moles, and I have an answer from Mike. April in Conyers says her hydrangea has not bloomed in the past few years, and she's miserable about that. You can join us, 404-872-0750-618. We'll be back in a bit. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellis weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves, the lawn and garden advice you need. And a quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. It's going to be pretty beautiful out there today. The only problem is it'll be cold. It'll be down into the really sort of the mid-40s, low-40s this afternoon, so not exactly the most great day to be outside. But if you have a jacket on, if you have your jeans and your tennies on, then you should be able to do a little bit outdoors. The lows today, again, in the low 40s, or the highs in the low 40s. Over tonight, the lows in the low 20s. Stay tuned. Atlanta's most accurate and dependable forecast comes up in 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Uh, Casey, come to us from Wileska, hey, Georgia. Hey, Walter, first time first time caller, long time listener. Yeah, man, sir, it's I easy. Like it. I love it's the easy. Show. Thank you. 
so here's the deal, man. Uh, me and my wife just bought a house up in Wallaska, and uh, I probably have a thousand square feet of mulched area in my yard, and it's you can tell it's been building up over the years. People just putting mulch on top of yeah. mulch, and now I got. Man, I'm going to say it's probably three inches of mulch. When you step on it, it's like a pillow. Yeah, I got so it. So my, my question is to you, I'm looking at refreshing it all. Do I need to take all that up, or should I just put more on top? <laughs> if you put more on top, it's going to be even more like a pillow. It'll right. It'll be like right, a mattress. Right. Um, it's going to be deep. And, uh, yeah, you know, I'm a guy. I like mulch. I think mulch is a good thing. It decomposes and feeds the roots of your plants and keeps the weeds away, et cetera, et cetera. But like you, when it gets above a certain depth, it's just hard to walk on. It's a miserable thing to walk in the yard. That is exactly right. It is. It's like, like you said, man, it's like what? It's like walking on a mattress. <laughs> yeah. So, actually, Casey, I'm going to say this is going to be hard work for somebody, you and the lovely wife. I think you ought to refresh the whole thing and just put down an inch or two of fresh straw chips, whatever you got well, that you well, want to use. you know what? I'm glad you said that because that's what I was thinking about doing. Yeah. But I thought, you know what? I, maybe it's doing some good, but I agree with you. I appreciate it, man. Thank it is, you it is doing some good, but it's doing some making your life miserable. And after all, what's life about is to make ourselves happy. And if the mulch is not making you happy being as thick as it is, I think we renew, replace, and use the... The leftover stuff to, I don't know, you could uh, you know, spread Make a worm farm out of it. Make a worm farm out of it. Uh, give it to your neighbors. Maybe some of your neighbors are a little short on mulch. You can give it to some of them. Um, there's got to be other uses for that stuff you dig out or rake out. So figure something out for it. Don't waste it. Don't give it to the garbage man or anything. But we'll see if we can make something out of it. But make it thinner. I think it'll be a lot better for your plants, your trees, and your ankles as well. It's 628, the News Talk WSB. We'll be back to more Lawn and Garden after news. It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. It's 636. It's 28.7 degrees outside. This is Lawn and Garden. I'm Walter Reeves, the Georgia Gardener, here to help you be more successful doing whatever you want to do. And we had a caller just a minute ago who sadly had to drop off, but a question that I am primed to answer is about mole control. Moles, moles, M-O-L-E, and that is in contrast to the V-O-L-E, vole, which eats plants. And I drilled my master gardeners this past week to say voles eat plants, moles eat insects or grubs or earthworms or things in the ground. So our caller had a question about mole control. And I listed about 19 things that do not work for mole control. Even though you can buy them any day of the week, you can buy these things. They simply don't work. They're simply a charitable contribution to the manufacturers. All they are. 
One of them is the mole vibrator. You stick it in the ground with a battery, it goes and rattles the ground, and supposedly it drives the moles away. No research ever has shown that to work. You have the other non-battery-powered windmills, back and forth, and they don't work either. Uh, putting juicy fruit gum in a mole's tunnel does not work. Ground glass in a mole's tunnel does not work. Putting a smoke bomb in the mole's tunnel does not work. The reason that none of these things work is, A, sound doesn't particularly make a mole uncomfortable. Make, they're not going to dig right under the, the vibrator thing, you know. But if you've got a quarter-acre lawn, there's plenty of places they don't have any clue the vibrator thingies are working at all, so they don't drive them away. Even if you had five or ten of them, they probably wouldn't have any effect on the mole. Juicy fruit gum, moles do not... Well, let me clear, quiz you for just a minute. What do moles eat? Right. Insects, grubs, earthworms. Do they eat juicy fruit gum? No. Do they care about the smell of juicy fruit gum? No. So juicy fruit gum in the mole hunt tunnel does not work at all. Ground glass? No, 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 no. It's not going to hurt their little mole paws to crawl around on ground glass. That's not going to work either. The real reason that it's hard to control moles is they have two different sets of runways. They have a deep one that's down about 12 inches, and they use that as their highway to get back and forth to different places. They'll have little dens in there where they have the little mole babies. And then they have the shallow ones, and they're the ones that you see. You know, you see the one you're walking the lawn, and you see a little tunnel, and you step on it, and it sort of squishes down underneath your foot. That's where moles are running back and forth, going to a flower bed or the middle of the lawn where there are a bunch of grubs growing there or someplace else. So they use those sort of branches, branches off of the superhighway that's a little bit deeper. And so they don't use these branches all that often. Once they have exhausted all the grubs and the things in one flower bed, the tunnel is still there, but the mole doesn't use it anymore. So putting a trap over that tunnel, as some people will go and buy $20 traps for moles and put them over a tunnel that they can see, and if the mole is not still running back and forth through that flower bed, you can set the trap there for a year, and the mole will not come back. It will not be, will not be trapped. And so that's frustrating because then you go to another tunnel, and maybe the same thing. Maybe there's a mole out there. We don't know. But you could spend a lot of time chasing moles around with these trap things or putting the poison gummy worms in the, in the tunnels or putting, um, I don't know, all sorts of things. There's an explosion thing you put in there as well. But you just don't know where the mole is or is going to be for the next 24 to 48 hours. And so that's why many of these things do not work worth a darn. So one of the things that I taught my master gardeners, I'll teach you too, is there is a sequence of things to do to control any nuisance animal, whether it's deer or chipmunks or rats or, or moles or voles, either one, there's a sequence of things to do. First thing, habitat modification. Second thing, exclusion, that means fences. Third thing, repellents. If you can find a repellent that works, then you use that. Fourth thing, if it's allowed, if it's not a protected animal, then you can go to lethal means. And that acronym is H E. R-L, habitat, exclude, repel, lethal, H-E-R-L. And the easiest way to get rid of moles is the first one, habitat modification. And I don't mean poisoning the grubs because that sometimes just makes them hungrier. You may kill the grubs, but they're out there eating earthworms that are not 
hurt by the insecticide at all. But the way you modify habitat is you get a teenage boy with big feet and say, son, I'll give you a dollar. I'll give you $10 to go across my lawn and just mash down the tunnels. Just go with your big feet out there and mash down all those tunnels. Keep the grass from turning brown. Mash them down. Here's 10 bucks. Thank you very much. And if they go out there and mash down the tunnels, you have modified the habitat such that the moles in the ground are thinking, what? What's going on? I can't go up and go to my super highway to go out to the flower bed to get the grubs. What's going on here? And they move. And if the moles are in Scott Maxim's backyard and not your backyard, you don't really care anymore. Scott Maxim can hire his own kid. Drive him to Rachel Perry's backyard. If she's got moles in her backyard, neither me nor Scott care what's going on in Rachel's yard. She can hire a teenager and drive it off to somebody else's yard. So that's the way to control moles. Modify the habitat. Mash down the tunnels regularly, and the moles will move. They are not going to stick around where they can't make their own tunnels to go feed. That's the way it is. There's absolutely no charge for that information. This morning at 641, we got Alfredo Alfredo in Decatur, Georgia, who joins us on Lawn hey. and Garden. Hey, man. Hello, Mr. Reeves. Thank you for your show. You betcha. I want to ask, um, I have a yard that I've been taking care of for about two years. Yes, sir. And it's on a slight slope, but I decided to use emergence on it, uh, pre-emergence on it uh, last winter. Okay. Well, not last winter, but before this winter started. And for some reason now, all my, everything is mud. Oh. I mean, it's just. You know, the the weeds have died in it, but yeah. I don't have much grass left. Yeah. Not what you, you want. Know. What? How much sun or shade, or what's the environment for it, Alfredo? It's um, it's about half and half. Um, I have um, probably seven, eight hours of, of, of sun a day. And direct and, sun. Full sunshine, get a tan yep. sun, right? Yep. yep. If you've got that much sunshine, Alfredo, you have a couple of choices in grasses that will grow. If the grass, if the ground is prepared right for the grass to grow there, they will grow there in that much sunshine. One is zoysia. You can get zoysia seed and you can get zoysia sod. Uh, fescue would grow there pretty well. You can get seed or sod, okay. same way. Uh, it might be a little on the shady side for Bermuda grass. That's a possibility. St. Augustine okay. grass, you can get sod for St. Augustine or little sprigs that you can sprig into the lawn. That works fine. How much okay. um, slope, how much erosion does it have, Alfredo? Well, um, it's not, I wouldn't call it, I do have, like, on coming on my sidewalk now, it's it's more, you know, the mud is kind of pushing up to the concrete. Yeah. But it's not so, steep. Um, you can walk on it. It's not steep like a, like a no, steep No, no, you can walk on it. It's, it's, okay. it's a slight All right. slope. All right, slight slope. No big deal. You know, you get to choose, and pocketbook may be the thing that helps you to decide what to choose. It is almost time, if you wanted to, to plant fescue seed, and that would probably be the least expensive of all your options. The key to fescue seed, though, when you said, my yard is mud, it tells me you have a lot of clay. Fescue will not grow in clay very well at all. And even though it could be your cheapest option initially, if you have to keep reseeding fescue year after year after year, pretty soon your wallet says, this is dumb, Alfredo. Why are you keeping and doing it? If you prepare the soil first, though, the fescue will do fine. Uh, and preparing the soil, you got lots of time to work on that before the planting time in mid-March. And so you go to the big box store and rent a tiller. You get some organic uh, soil condition, make a big thick layer of that on top of the ground, and get that tiller and dig it in. Make it nice and rich and brown. Okay. And uh, then rake it smooth, and by that time it'll be March, and then you scatter the seed out there 
like it says on the label, and put a little wheat straw mulch on top, and by whoo, ooh, by mid-April, it's going to look great. All your neighbors in Decatur will say, Whoa, how did you do that? How did you do that? Give us advice. Okay, well, thanks a lot, Mr. Reed. I really appreciate that. It's great talking to you, Alfredo. Thanks for calling. Okay, okay. bye-bye. We got April Hutton Conyers in Rockdale County who's with us today. Hey, April, good morning. Good morning. What you got? I have a question about hydrangea. Yeah. It's a pretty old hydrangea. I've had it in, or actually two of them. Had them in my yard for um, about five or six years now. Yeah, sure. But the past couple of years, they just haven't bloomed very I'm, well. I'm going to make a prediction for you, April. Mm-hmm. I'm not positive, but I think this next year is not going to be a great year for hydrangeas either. Okay, so it's just the weather? It or... is the weather completely, and absolutely. Okay. I'll tell you, the weather phenomenon that has been the damaging thing in each of the last two winters has been simply cold temperatures that froze the flower buds off. The flower buds are up towards the end of each branch, and the tops mm-hmm. you were know, exposed to cold weather. They froze. End of story. The lower buds give you leaves, and you're, I'm sure your hydrangeas look great, pretty green leaves, but oh, no actually, flowers. Yeah, actually, they they don't have very pretty green leaves on them either. Oh, then we'll talk about something else then. Okay. I'll mention, though, in, in, in passing, though, that mine, remember we had this long fall, long and warm winter even back in December, you know, December 25th, and it was 70 mm-hmm. degrees outside. Well, all of my hydrangeas, all the top buds were little, little green things. They're about an inch, inch and a half long. And then we got cold weather in January, and I went out to look at them, and I just said, oh, man, it froze off my flower buds again. Doggone it. <laughs> so I'm going to have beautiful green shrubs this, this coming summer. <laughs> but I don't know, April. I don't know about the flowers. They may not look so good. Um, that said, I don't even tell people anymore to cover your hydrangeas to do all the Right. You know, protection and stuff like that. It's just not worth it, frankly. I mean, hydrangeas, there are lots of other things. And in your case, tell me more about the leaves. You say they're thin. You don't have any leaves, many on the hydrangeas. What's going there's on? Just, there's really not that many leaves. Um, the green leaves, like you're talking about, yeah. um, they're very woody. Uh-huh. But I don't break those off because someone had told me that that's where your blooms are. They Well, if they have... Um, you know, you could actually scrape your stems right now to see what's alive and what's not, and that's just take a little thumbnail or a dull knife and uh-huh. scrape the stems. If it's green underneath, they're they're living tissue, and they will have something coming out of okay. them. And but there are still probably a bunch of brown stems out there, and many of those you could just tell. You flip them off with your thumb, and you say, "Oh, this is dead." <laughs> Pull it out. Okay. Um, okay. But one of the things you could do. And this is going to be appropriate whether or not you have flowers or not flowers this year. And that's Mm -hmm. to fertilize the hydrangeas sometime in uh, mid-March, early April, somewhere in that range. And any lawn landscape fertilizer is going to be fine. You can get 10-10-10. If you had a little half a bag of lawn fertilizer with no weed killer in it, you could put a couple of handfuls of of that out on the hydrangeas. Um, miracle Grow, you know, the pike plant food, any of that stuff would work fine. But that will help a little bit to at least stimulate leaves. If, okay. Maybe if you get lucky, 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 keep your fingers crossed, then the buds that are further down on your plant will take over, and maybe some of those will give you flowers later in the summer than normal, sometime in the latter part of June. And so maybe we'll get some flowers for you, April. But in my yard, boy, mm-hmm. so we'll have some pretty, pretty hydrangea shrubs this year with not any flowers, I don't no think. No blooms. <laughs> eh, eh. You live and you learn. You enjoy what you got. That's what you do. 
That's right. Thank you. Thanks for calling, April. 404-872-0750, the number on Lawn and Garden. Coming up for the next half hour, John wants to know about when's the right time to top dress his lawn. DJ wants to know about soil preparation for elevated garden. What does that mean? Aeration? That might be fun. Danny in Covington wants the best kind of azalea to grow. Brian in Douglasville wants the best kind to fertilize centipede grass. And John wants to know about using a hedge trimmer to prune roses. Yeah, we'll get to all those right after this. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellish weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves, the lawn and garden advice you need. Yeah, we got that tropical weather vibe going on right now. Quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. It's going to be beautiful outside this afternoon. If only we had 10 or 15 more degrees to go with it, it'd be really, really nice for gardening. The temperature today in the low 40s this afternoon, so pretty chilly if you're outside. Bundle up a little bit, but you can still get things done. It's not raining after all. Lows tonight in the low 20s. Chilly willy tonight. Your full weekend forecast comes up in 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Danny's out in Covington and joins us on Lawn and Garden. Danny, hey man, good morning. Good morning, sir. How you doing? I'm fine. How can I help, Dan? Uh, I've got about three uh, quick ones for you here. Okay. Uh, actually, four. Uh, uh, you better be real quick with four. You know, one, two, and maybe three. Go for it. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, I did an azalea cutting. And uh, when you're doing a, a cutting like that, I, I got it off of a mature uh, azalea. That means it's not going to grow anymore. In other words, just let's say I cut it uh, at, at two feet. Yeah. You know, and uh, it's it's not going to grow anymore. How do you get uh, a, a cutting and make it grow? In other words, you, if you have a plant uh-huh. and you want a, a, a four-foot uh, azalea, how do you do that? Well, if you have a, a four-foot azalea, you want it to grow to f- a two-foot azalea, and you want it to cut it, want it to grow to four feet. Fertilization in the spring makes them generally grow as tall as they can, and so a living plant to get it to grow to four feet tall. Fertilization in February or March. If you want a cutting, a little bit of three-inch or so cutting, then you can do that most successfully in the summertime. Boy, wintertime cutting propagation is not easy at all, so I don't even think you ought to try that, Danny. Okay. All right. Number two. All right. Best best azalea. In other words, everybody knows uh, the name Encore. Yeah. What's your recommendation for the best uh, uh, growing azalea? We talked about disease tolerance and the pretty flowers that last longer and all that. I think all I think Encore azaleas work great. I can't say anything bad about them if you get the right color. And there are 25 different colors of Encore. They're great. They bloom three times a year. Nothing wrong with that. You got the older ones, the Carl Red, the Snow, that's white. Um, there's a pink one that's real common. The um, forgotten the name of that, the Japanese name for it. Um, and if you want a little variety, Danny, use one of the native azaleas that don't bloom until June, sometimes July. They're real pretty. They get about six feet tall. They're pretty, but not in the front yard, probably. Um, so I don't argue with Encore, but it's not a best one. They all work pretty well. Okay. Number three, right. you got 15 seconds. Go for it. Okay, uh, uh, best grass. About uh, a couple of weeks ago, a uh, gentleman called in and said uh, you recommended, a, a, or he's asking questions about a 419 grass. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm one of these guys. I think it was 419. Yeah. Well, I'm one of these guys that wants to uh, real pretty grass, but I don't have time to mow uh, 
every time I turn around, you know. It's, uh, uh, it's then you don't want 419. Four, Tefton 419 is a Bermuda grass hybrid Bermuda. Looks great. Needs mowing about every three days to look good. Danny, I'm going to cut you off right here and say go to my website and type in fescue, type in Bermuda, type in centipede, investigate each one of these grasses and see which one does best in the amount of sunshine you have because the amount of sunshine you have is what's going to determine which one works best. It's 6.58. We'll be back after news. Blow your right